Uh, gentlemen, I thought it would only be fair that I let you know that, uh, this time, it's Morbin time. Yes. Hi, I'm Sam, and I do declare that Ian has forgotten the face of his motherfucking father with that statement. He should be sent out west and will continue to be west beyond his death. Big what the fuck? Big spooky dream pillar. <laughs> yes. We're talking about the big dick daddy dark tower baby. I'm ready. I'm four books in. I'm hard. I am remembering the face of my father. I'm ready Wait, to go. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? You're remembering the face of your father? Well, <laughs> yes, for I honor him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, wait, an, anyway, is that take. why they call Crimson King or whatever his face is Red Daddy? Look, <laughs> personally, I think Daddy Velvet kind of rolls off the tongue a little easier. Unfortunately, it does. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, God fucking help us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking about the Dark Tower when we get to our feature presentation talk. But first, before we do that, there is a series that wrapped up recently. And what a time, considering we were just talking about the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Because this is not only a sequel, but also a prequel at the same time. What a conundrum that is. I am, of course, talking about the Disney Plus exclusive miniseries... Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I think is criminal, is not just called Kenobi. But, you know, that's just me, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it's good. It's good. I wouldn't say it's the greatest thing in the world. It does not, like, completely transform Star Wars. And, in fact, I wouldn't even say it entirely adds any substantial new lore for what it is. It's really good. I mean, if I were to start anywhere, uh, one of the biggest strengths to it is, of course, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. Uh, for as much as I have given the prequels the benefit of the doubt, only to be disappointed every time I revisit them, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan is still one of the best parts of those films. With maybe the exception of The Phantom Menace, because he... I don't know. I don't know, that's that's one thing I kind of felt when I revisited The Phantom Menace. He doesn't quite feel like he's Obi-Wan yet. Which, granted, is because he's like a, a Padawan at that point, but... I'm also talking, like, mm -hmm. character-wise, you know, I get you. whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My... So, uh, have either of you two watched any of Obi-Wan? I'm, I'm, no, actually. I'm gonna be real, Ian. My entire knowledge of uh -huh. Star Wars is solely the memes. Do you need anything more? That's how I do for any any series, actually. I'll just get memes for shows or things I've never even seen just to send people them, and I have, I don't know any of the context, but I'll send them to people who so, actually know the So what you're saying series. is you know the entire story of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure purely from the memes of it. Oh uh, Yeah, pretty much. I've only seen oh, the okay, first cool. three episodes of part one. That's like fandom by Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> 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 I dig it. I'm not judging you for it. I mean, hey, it's it, it's a ballsy approach. Uh, I'll definitely say that. But um, exactly. Yeah, maybe it, like it's maybe, perfect though, like, Ian. It's perfect because I'll send people them, and they're like, "Oh, did you see this scene?" I just stare at them blankly and go, "I haven't watched it." Give them a fucking fluoride stare. <gasps> Oof. 
they just give the thousand yard stare after that, just like, oh. Yeah, pretty but much. But why, pretty though? <laughs> so, I mean, I will say, at least in Star Wars, Harrison, I know you said that uh, you weren't all that enthralled by the original trilogy, but. Yeah. Um, if I can't say one thing about Disney's handling of Star Wars, it at least has quite a bit to offer in terms of newer stuff, primarily with The Mandalorian. I have not seen The Mandalorian. Now, obviously, some people will say that nothing from Disney is good, but I find that to be a bit of a oversimplification. Um, it's a biased thing, you know? They, they hate Disney, so they hate anything Disney throws out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And unsurprisingly, when Obi-Wan was coming out, a, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's going to be terrible. Like, I, I don't mm. want them touching Obi-Wan. Both figuratively don't and literally. Fucking dare. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, um, you know, Obi Wan, especially with Ewan McGregor's take on Obi Wan, was like something that, especially with the sudden resurgence of like prequel trilogy fandom liking towards it, uh, they of course were very protective of that, uh, considering that oftentimes Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan is their favorite part. And uh, mm -hmm. one thing I can say is that after the whole show is wrapped up, it seems like most people have mellowed out and just kind of accepted the show for what it is, which, again, it's not the most revolutionary thing for Star Wars, but I, I will say when it comes to uh, primarily the dynamic between Obi-Wan and uh, the then corrupted Anakin Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader, um, it's phenomenal on that. In fact, some of the best parts of the show are when Obi-Wan is having to uh, reluctantly confront uh, his former Padawan, which uh, one of the most chilling lines that Vader says to Obi-Wan when they meet for the first time in years is, uh, I am what you made me. Shit. Would you say that's the best part of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The, the the best part is the Darth Vader uh, Obi-Wan dynamic by a long shot. Because what's really interesting is uh, when Obi-Wan finds out that uh, Anakin is still alive, from that point onward, there is this really neat story device where regardless of where they are in the galaxy, Obi-Wan can sense Anakin and Anakin can sense Obi-Wan. And when uh, Obi-Wan is having, like, this basically PTSD-influenced uh, panic attack, realizing that Anakin's still alive, uh, Anakin, over in his little uh, healing meditation test tube uh, laboratory, uh, he just immediately wakes up and is like, Oh, oh, he's out there. I knew he was out there, and I'm gonna find him. I'm coming for him. Much like that one scene from uh, Rogue One where Darth Vader is just absolutely decimating a bunch of the rebels in that hallway, nearly every scene that Darth Vader is in, I, I was thoroughly satisfied with because uh, it really, really builds upon the, the just presence that people really wanted to see Darth Vader like further... Uh, act upon and the whole idea of him being like this dominating force in whatever conflict he's in is on full display here dear god vader is amazing in this show <laughs> no shit 
Oh yeah, and uh, I, I I don't know how true this is, but uh, word from production is is that whenever Darth Vader was on screen, uh, Hayden Christensen was in the suit. But we never do we ever see his face? Oh, actually, uh, not as many times as you probably would like, but you do. You do. Okay, that's good at least. That's that's a cool little callback, honestly, and I think adds a lot to the emotional side. Yeah, I would say so. Um, if you guys are okay with spoilers, and if uh, I can just announce to anybody listening, hey, spoiler now. Um, there is one really cool sequence that intercuts throughout uh, episode... What was that? Five. Episode five. Um, it's a little bit of a shame that this comes at the second to last episode, but there is this really neat sequence where, uh, it's a flashback to the Clone Wars, actually, where Anakin and Obi-Wan are having a sparring session. It keeps intercutting whenever there's a moment in the present time of the show where uh, Vader or Obi-Wan is doing something that parallels that sparring session. And the whole thing that uh, Obi-Wan's trying to teach Anakin in that moment is uh, your need to constantly prove yourself and just win no matter what right now is your biggest weakness. And uh, that almost reflects just in the most beautiful way possible because uh, Obi-Wan in the episode he's playing up one of the biggest things he remembers about Anakin and something that he's kind of picked up on that Vader still has not outgrown, and it's the fact that he's impatient. He is constantly just trying to uh, rush forward, and he uses that to his advantage to help uh, not only himself, but also a couple of, um, I guess, insurrectionists. They're not rebels yet. It's not a rebel alliance or anything like that. They're just schmucks that are trying to help out or whatever um mm -hmm. he uses that to his advantage that they can all get away so i mean that's that's some good stuff now the only problem though and i can see this being a bit of a turnoff for some people sadly the dynamic of obi-wan and vader while it is still a very big part of the show that's not entirely what the focus is on exclusively because uh, most of the show uh, is more or less the Obi-Wan saving uh, little kid Leia show. Uh, mm -hmm. That is the main plot. Uh, Leia is kidnapped from her home planet, and Obi-Wan is called into action by her father to go and save her. Uh, that's the main plot okay. of the show. And uh, obviously, again... There's plenty of moments where the whole dynamic between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, it gets plenty of attention. However, one thing that I will agree with in terms of the big criticisms of the show is that it could have been way more focused and an even better show if they further explored that part of the, uh, the show, where it's the Vader and Obi-Wan uh, dynamic. Because there's quite a bit that you could still do before it gets samey, and um, I understand that they have to have something that gets Obi-Wan back into action, like doing something, doing Jedi stuff, which uh, his progression from becoming a reluctant hero to fully embracing that, no, my place is as a Jedi and I'm going to, you know, save the day, it's handled well. It's handled okay. well, and I think uh, part of that also comes from the fact that little kid Leia 
first off, the, the, the little kid actress is phenomenal at acting like uh, Carrie Fisher. Uh, to the point where I'm like, okay, no, that's 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 Leia. That's mm-hmm. actually just like a little kid version of Leia, like spot on. Um, she sort of gives Obi-Wan the optimism and the, the hopefulness that, you know, comes back to really bolster his, you know, resolve later on. And leads to, dear lord, one of the best uh, modern lightsaber battles. Uh, I, I think I've seen in a while. Like, since, like, Duel of the Fates shit? Oh! Yeah. Yeah. The final battle between Vader and Obi-Wan is fantastic, because... And again, this is a little bit on spoilers. Uh, technically, Obi-Wan does win the fight. And he uh, does it by, like, beating the absolute shit out of uh, Vader's little uh, control console on his uh, chest, which... I. I don't know why people took so long until now to think, oh, maybe I should just punch the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, then again, that does mean getting close to Vader, and that's usually not a good idea in the slightest. <laughs> um, but he cuts part of his helmet off, and you can see Hayden's uh, face on the inside. And it's this really just haunting scene where, um, because his uh, helmet is destroyed uh you actually hear vader's voice coming in and out from james earl jones's voice to hayden christensen's and there's a point where he says obi-wan you didn't kill anakin skywalker i did shit and i think that that, that's just a, a beautiful beautiful like little wrap up of the show's arc of uh obi-wan having to confront you know his former Padawan, who now is completely convinced that he's gone. There's only Vader. And despite what some people were saying, no, it doesn't water down their um, reunion, if you can call it that, in uh, A New Hope. I think it actually bolsters it. Okay. So what do you think's better, it or The Mandalorian? Oh, I mean, from a general story, I still think The Mandalorian is better, but I do like some aspects of Obi-Wan that uh, I think make it good in its own right. The okay. the big thing is that, for me, uh, the show really only got, like, really good when you got to the middle portion of the show. The first couple episodes, they're not terrible by any means. It's just a little standard, a little predictable, I guess. But, I mean... You know, some of the episodes of Mandalorian were like that, so I, I wasn't, like, sitting here watching my watch or whatever, if I had a watch, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, I I recommend Obi-Wan Kenobi. It, it is a very nice change of pace, especially if uh, people were uh, bummed out by how the Book of Boba Fett turned out. <laughs> Definitely. Um it seems like that there's a bit more going on in this one. It's just some of what held back the early episodes was that the writing was just kind of standard. And some of the directing was a little off. Like there was a really just goofy chase scene in like a forest where these thugs were chasing Leia and they're like stumbling over like little tiny branches and like uh, running into things that they could have easily have like ducked under to the point where mm-hmm. it, it looked like something out of 
like a Super Sentai show or something like that, like Power Rangers. It was just that goofy and just Shit. off. Ian, now you have my interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Oh, yes. Go on. Oh, no. You, you want to watch it for the Sentai comparison? Yes. Oh Super no! Sentai. Super Sentai. Well, the thing is, Harrison, Ian, I, I do have to point out: if you watch it for that, you you are going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, it's I know. I I honestly don't really have anything to compare it to because I've only seen like two episodes of Power Rangers. Enough. It's that's enough to know the whole mm-hmm. the whole gist of the show. I've seen two episodes of yeah. Power Rangers and a single clip of Common Rider. I get you. Well, kind of to just wrap up the uh, discussion on Obi-Wan, I can definitely say that um, if you are still open to seeing what Disney puts out, I highly recommend at least watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Like I said, it's not going to be the most groundbreaking thing. Um, I still think overall it's, it's good. It's not great. Um, and I don't think overall it even compares to just the consistency of, say, The Mandalorian. But, I mean, if you are a big fan of either Vader or Obi-Wan, you are going to get a pretty solid experience with both of those characters. They are phenomenal. Honestly, it's just kind of nice also to get back to a Jedi-centric story, because we've taken a bit of a break from a lot of that with the different shows and whatnot so it's a nice return to form after there's been a bit of like a like a break from that because obviously all the movies are just so jedi centric that some people i can understand why they want to see other parts of the universe so yeah i recommend uh, people give obi-wan kenobi a watch definitely all right this shit sounds good it seems like the shows are doing a little better than the movies have in the last you know decade. yeah yeah. Well, for one thing, there, there's at least some consistency, which the movies very desperately needed. <laughs> Actually, Ian, I have, a, I have a good question. That's also a good transition point. Is this show yeah. in any way tied to those old extended universe books? Uh, there might be a couple concept uh, concepts here and there, but I wouldn't say it's directly based off of them. Not really. I getcha, I getcha. Probably some inspiration, but I I can't say for certain if there's like a specific comic or book or even game for that matter that it's based on. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of, that's a pretty good transition there, Harrison, because the movie we're going to talk about is a adaption from a book to a movie. A question I'd like to put forward is, I mean, what what, what would be, before we really talk about the movie and our feelings about it, um, and I'm not going to spoil it. Yet, but yet, right. uh, I mean, there's obviously there's gonna be good adaptions, there's gonna be bad adaptions. What do you guys think? In your opinion, what are what are some of the best and worst examples of these adaptions that you guys see? You know, there's a lot more than people think. There is a lot mm-hmm. more than people think when it comes to not only the best but also the worst. And the worst are oftentimes the ones people hardly know anything about. Yeah. Ian, can I get the elephant out of the room first for this discussion? Sure. Lord of the Rings is a good adaption. There we go. Enough said there. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Why is that an elephant in the room? Isn't that just common sense? Well, yeah, it's common sense, but it's going to linger. If we don't bring it up, someone will ask. You know, oh, that's, that's true. That's a good point. Someone might start complaining. No, that's true. And 
it, it's it's weird to say because most people, when you talk to them, are just like uh, in full agreement that, yeah, Lord of the Rings are fantastic movies and even better adaptations and stuff like that. But the the thing about it is that there are still many, many, many fans of the original Tolkien books that claim no, they're not. Because they aren't exactly identical in detail to some of the things that happen in the books. To which I say, motherfucker, shut up. <laughs> I don't care that it's not exactly like the books. And frankly, when I've read up on all the different details or story bits that weren't entirely brought over from the books into the movies, it's for the better. Because some of it is pointless. Some of it just is, why is it even there? Well, it, <laughs> you know? it's there because the books aren't a visual medium. You need them there. No, of course not. When you're not showing mm -hmm. someone exactly what it is. Plus, with movies, you have a time constraint here. Yeah, because, like... Exactly. It's like if you have a scene in a book where it's like, yeah, no, they hear this voice, yada, 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 conversation where you're only getting the person's name, author never describes the dude, okay... Then you could have this whole like fun back and forth. You can't do that in a movie. You can try, mm -hmm. but it's very hard to do in a movie. Now, I'm not as familiar with the books of this other example, but I mean, the Harry Potter movies also did really damn well. And from what I understand are well received when it comes to like translating them and whatnot. The only problem, though, is that J.K. Rowling uh, is constantly uh, changing <laughs> and, and uh, 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 like, backpedaling on things that she actually did in the books, when in reality, if you go to the books, there's, like, very little referencing of any of the stuff that she's talking about. So, frankly, the validity of, you know, adaptation to book, at least according to the author, is up in the air. Yeah, I mean... They they were like very very accurate, but I uh, I saw toilets yeah. in Hogwarts. That's inaccurate. Now at least, oh god. <laughs> god, yeah, that's all. That's true. It's magic, that's magic it away. Very true. So I mean, when I, when I think of some good adaptions, one another one, believe it or not, obviously, yeah, one is from Stephen King. Is it an adaptation of Stephen King? Is The Shining? Shining's good. I think a lot of earlier Stephen King movies were really good at adaptations. Mm hmm. Christine. Like, you had the original Firestarter, you had Carrie, you had The Shining, you had Rubber. <laughs> God. Damn it. Oh my God, Rubber. That's a Stephen King adaptation? Yes. Are you fucking serious? I'm dead serious. <laughs> no, okay. Okay, what the fuck? There's no way. It's, rubber is a Stephen King novel. It's like I'm doing it. You know, it's actually kind of interesting when mentioning The Shining, because apparently uh, Stephen King himself said, no, I, I don't like how the movie turned out. It's oh, wait, very no, am fascinating. I miss, am I when... mixed up? You're talking about the car, right? Oh, that's where I mixed up. Rubber's not a Stephen King but Rubber is based on a Stephen King novel. Oh, okay. Because it's it's based oh. on Christine, and Christine had a film, and then Rubber's inspired off the Christine film. 
Okay, it's all good. You had me concerned. I'm like, wait, what? Yes, no, but Christine is. So, psychic tire? No. Okay. Psychic car? Yes. yes. Okay, that makes sense. Um, can you guys think of any mm, like very specific okay. bad adaptations? Oh my goodness, the list is so long, it's hard to like really pinpoint a bad one. Um, I think the really bad ones come down to the book-to-film adaptations that, for whatever reason... They feel the need to cram multiple books into one, yeah. and the one that comes to mind is that uh, CG animated um, Guardians Owls of Gahul, Gahul. movie yeah. that yes. came out in, like, what, the, the late 2000s? The Guardians of Gahul. Gahul. And I remember watching that one, and um, at, at most I thought it was, like, interesting in concepts, but it felt so, so rushed and just cramped in terms of stuff that was happening in the movie that when I later realized that it um, it was multiple books put into one, I just sat there and said, oh, okay, no, that, 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 that makes total sense Ow. why it felt so rushed. Now, Ian, a dark uh -huh. memory has resurfaced for me. Of a, of a movie that I saw that was so infuriatingly bad that it mm -hmm. was like O Fortuna blaring in my head, hearing Gabriel's horn blaring, Judgment Day upon me bad. Um, Papa John declaring the end of the world kind of bad. Yes. And I didn't know it was based on a book or a comic series. You, you remember years ago, there was this little, little sci-fi movie that came out. Uh, called Valyrian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh, God. I do oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. It's resurfaced for you, hasn't it? Like a bad dream. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, oh, my God. You know, I haven't really watched a lot of uh, movie adaptations that I truly know of that I hated, except for the one we're about to talk about today, to be honest with you. But... <laughs> Before we get to that, I gotta ask just a real quick question. What do you guys think makes a movie adaptation of a book good? Do you think it should follow the the, the material to a T, or do you think do you like it exploring a bit more than the book could offer? Hmm. I I personally have a very simple answer for this. Mm -hmm. What makes it good isn't following to a T. Mm -hmm. It's taking the material. And adapting it to be something to be viewed. Because if you follow it to a oh, T, okay. the pacing gets thrown out the window. Because a lot of pacing is designed for you to be reading descriptions. When mm -hmm. all the descriptions are removed and just visual elements, it can throw off an entire story's pacing. Okay. Yeah, and actually, um, not only to piggyback off of that, but also to reference what I had to say in a very similar discussion about adaptation uh, to movies uh, when James recommended uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy all those months ago. My motto is, if you're going to do it, transfer and capture as much of the book's original spirit to the screen. If it is a very tense encounter uh, between characters in a book, understand the the main 
like pull of the 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 moment in the book and when you are doing the scene of it obviously the pacing is not going to be the same as if you are reading it from the book itself so you need to take some liberties but what you also need to do is if it's supposed to be tense do everything possible to make it as tense as you remember reading that scene that's the big thing don't just throw it to the screen and think it's going to be a-okay you need to take steps to make sure that the intended response comes through. And if it doesn't, that's how you start getting just haphazardly done uh, book-to-film adaptations. Do you think that a director making an adaptation of a book, do you think it is more important to focus on making it a good movie first or catching the, catching the spirit of the the book more i would say good movie i think it is 70 percent making it a good movie and the remaining eh, maybe 60 percent 60 percent making it a good movie and the remaining part still capturing the spirit of the book mm -hmm. i think that's what it is there there needs to be some balance but i think most of it should lean more towards being a good movie because if it's not, then people are not going to go and see it, uh, regardless of if they read the book or if they did not, and they just want to see a fun, interesting movie. Hmm. Yeah, um, for me, if you are making a movie, the sole intent should be to make a, a good movie. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Sure. Are people going to be upset if you deviate away from the book? Yes, of course. But it's better to deviate away than for it to just be bad. Yeah, it, it may have some the spirit of the book, but if it's a piece of shit movie, <laughs> then exactly. what's the point, you know? Which uh, kind of shines brilliantly with what we're going to talk about, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll let you guys yeah. start with this one before I, I, I before I rant. Okay, got you. We'll 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 definitely share our thoughts uh, about that. Uh, the 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 first thing that we need to do is obviously uh, Sammy Boy. Before we go into our thoughts on it, uh, can you give us a little synopsis of what the movie is about and why in particular this movie you picked it? So the Dark Tower, very very very. Very basic explanation. Essentially, there's this dark tower at the center of all creation of all universes in every single universe, etc., 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 squared, squared, squared. And there's an evil force going after this tower to destroy it and all planets. And the only one who can stop it is Roland Deshane, the last son of Gilead and the last in the line of Arthur Eld, and his Katet, which is not even fucking mentioned in the movie. Uh, but anyway... Oh, we're talking about, if we're talking about the pure movie, <laughs> Dark Tower, if it's destroyed, that's bad. That's no good. Walter, bad guy, trying to destroy a tower. Roland, good guy, trying to stop that. Boom. That's the movie, baby. In terms of why I picked it, it's because I'm in the, I'm a, I just finished the fourth book of the damn series, and I was thinking, hey, I wonder what the movie's like. And now I know. And God, yeah. I wish I didn't. Yeah, let's 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 start right there. I, I think this is going to be the first truly terrible movie that we've uh, discussed on the podcast. Uh, I I fought the urge to fall asleep during this movie. 
which is insane to me because even though I am not familiar with the books at all, aside from that they are written by Stephen King and have some kind of connection to his other books through the whole universe connectivity stuff that you were mentioning, Sam. Mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, cool. So it's it's a, a fantasy thing where one of the main characters is a gunslinger. A very skilled one at that. Cool. Alright. Awesome. Fine. Let's 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 see where this goes. And even the moments where the gunslinger is doing gunslinger things, I was bored to tears. I am flabbergasted how a concept like this, even just as a movie, completely taking out the fact that it's based on a book, just how creatively absent it is. I, 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 I am appalled. I am amazed that people were actually hired to make this, and they were like, okay, gunslinger shit. Okay, what, what can we come up with? And this is what we got. It is so underwhelming. It almost pisses me off. I am amazed by how I, I, I was, at times, having such difficulty in staying awake and staying, like, focused on the movie. I had to pause this multiple times and go do something else to, like, keep my mind active. Because I'm trying to find things that I could potentially talk about. The only thing that I keep coming back to is that it it is very dull. I had so much of a hard time trying to find things other than that. I mean, Idris Elba does okay. Uh, I, I was thinking that Matthew McConaughey can at least do something as the main pro, uh, uh, antagonist, but fucking Christ, he's also looking like he's about to fall asleep at times. I, I was not drawn in by him at all. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what what the villain was like in the book, but I was at least thinking that with somebody like Matthew McConaughey, he could at least bring some kind of energy to the um the antagonist. Like kinda like how he's done in so many other movies, like Wolf of Wall Street especially. Chainsaw like, Massacre. I specifically Next was generation. thinking of that. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was thinking of that movie in particular and going like, okay, no, Matthew McConaughey, I have no doubt he can be a good antagonist. And here, it's just so boring. And it's surprising, too, because you have someone who's so grossly overpowered, and they just put these little scenes in. Like, they try to amp up his sort of, like, intimidation, but it doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't fit. And we don't have any time to care for any of these characters that he's intimidating around him. Things just... Exactly. He kills people around them without questions. Nothing. No worries. Tortures those around him. Nothing. He just says words at them. Things happen. But, like, how do you make a concept of a villain whose whole thing is if I say something, you have to obey it? A boring villain. Precisely. And somehow they do it. it. It it just amazes me. It amazes me. And, like, the, the ways that they demonstrate his, you know, powers and stuff is just so... It's it's just so mundane. He can, like, use the Force sometimes to, like, pick things up and throw them at people, but it's just like, is that really it? He, wait, wait, don't forget, he can make a Force ghost of himself to appear in places specifically to taunt the gunslinger. It doesn't do this to anyone else. Mm-hmm. 
when he physically doesn't have to go visit places, but he'll go visit them himself. The other thing is, I, I don't particularly consider myself the most skilled of storytellers myself. I'm still in that phase of like trying to better my you know, skills at that, you know, with writing and whatnot, but I think when a movie is so boring and creatively bankrupt that I am starting to think of alternatives as to how they could have done something way better, the movie is in trouble. And I, I want to stress that I don't consider it because, oh, well, I, I'm just better than whoever was doing this. No, it, it's literally just the fact of, like, well, why didn't they just maybe try doing this and that, this and this, you know? I, I, I'm spitballing how to improve something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't always do that with every single movie I watch. When a movie is really good, I'm content with what it does because that's what the movie wants to do with its general vision. You know, and it's mission to, you know, entertain people in different ways. But this, it's just, it has next to nothing. Okay, I will say one thing, though. I shouldn't say nothing. There are some kind of cool things about the movie. Uh, I remember seeing trailers for it, and one thing that turned me off was that it looked like it had the desaturated Zack Snyder look that I still am not a big fan of. Watching the movie, I was surprised by how much more colorful it was than I remembered when I saw all those trailers way back when. And I will say that it looks rather pleasing wait, wait. sometimes. It looks interesting. You know, I'm going to put a little pin right there. Because okay. it looks pleasing half of the time. Because the other half of the movie the time, yes. is all at night. Yeah, and you can't see and that's anything. The other problem because you have no you characters can't. in dark clothing, firing guns, fighting a dark monster in a forest at night, and there's metal scraps. You can't tell yes. anything that's going on, and it has the stupid born identity shaky cam. Mm -hmm. It does, and that shaky cam is also prevalent in many of the uh, the gunfights and whatnot, which. If the choreography of it all wasn't bad enough, it, it's also just the cinematography of it, too. And when I say that there are times when the movie looks good, uh, the, the one that I was specifically thinking of was in the final act of the movie, where uh, Roland is uh, shooting up all those guys uh, in that location that they were at. Like, I thought that the general color palette was actually interesting, uh, things still looked grimy and, like, weathered and stuff like that. Uh, and I thought that the, the lighting was actually kind of interesting at times. How it, like, would, uh, uh, hit people's faces and stuff like that while they're trying to hide or whatever. I mean, it looks good at times, but I, I do agree that, uh, because a good chunk of the movie is at night and the production design, uh, consists of a lot of dark, muted colors... It doesn't always look good. It, it doesn't have a whole lot of visual flair or um, variance from scene to scene. Or the other thing I just found weird with this movie, I, I don't know if it's this way in the book, but his guns are supposed to be this magical thing, but they fire regular bullets mm -hmm. that do mm -hmm. regular bullet things. Mm-hmm. 
if they like put a little like trace effect on all the shots he fired or had some sort of like magical impact, it'd improve it in my eyes. You know, you know, as a mm. consistency to it. I see what you mean. Yeah. Because you're claiming that it's this magical holy relic that he's wielding that's a piece of Excalibur turned into a gun, and that concept is great. But then it fires regular bullets and just has the same effectivity as a regular gun, and the villain can just catch the bullets yeah. out of the air. Yeah, it, it doesn't really demonstrate anything particularly interesting other than it shoots bullets. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because there's, uh. like, that one scene where he, like, listens and then snipes the guy, but... Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I'll at least say that listening to his surroundings to be able to more effectively, like, shoot and attack people, I, I, I think that's an interesting concept, and there are times where it's done decently well, but that's, like, the only thing that I remember actually being interesting. And there were really only two times that I thought it was good, where uh, he shoots that one monster running off with the kid, and uh, in the final, like, big shootout, where he's listening to the trajectory of uh, where the bullets are coming from, and he shoots the guys off of Wait, the, like, upper level on. and stuff hold like on. that. Hold on, I have to check when this movie came out. Hold on. It was 2017, yeah. Okay. Hold on. Something just clicked in my head. Are you remembering, like, a different Are, movie that did something similar? Yes, no, oh, God, okay. Are you a fan of The Matrix? Uh, yeah. So and I was kind of getting a couple Matrix vibes sometimes. No, 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 So, remember how at the very end, he shoots the bullet, and then shoots to hit the bullet to ricochet it to hit the villain? Yes, I do. All right. There's a movie that has that exact same ending. Hmm. Called Killer Bean Forever. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> Where it came out before they just took the ending fight of Killer Bean. <laughs> down oh, no. to the villain <laughs> catching the bullets. Jesus Christ. Oof. Oh no. It makes sense. Oh no, are you telling me that the Dark Tower ripped off Killer Bean? <laughs> he can't beat a masterpiece in. <laughs> no! <laughs> ah! It all comes back to Killer Bean! It always it comes back to Killer Bean. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Uh, when 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 is uh when is Killer Bean gonna be like preserved in the film library of Congress? Dude, I don't know. Shoot, because it sounds like it's it's getting that kind of reputation. Okay. The more I look at the movie, it's be stored the there next I... to Citizen Kane, oh. Star Wars. Ian, the more I'm remembering the Dark Tower, the more I'm just seeing the Killer Bean everywhere. Okay. The double. I think the, the day that uh, Killer Bean gets put into the film library is when uh, Freddy Got Fingered gets added as well. Of course. Of course. Okay. Uh, but more serious tone for the movie. Something I found about weird. I don't know how it is for the book. So Sam, you can let me know if it is. Mm -hmm. Um. It. I found it strange that the movie itself is you know 
a gunslinger. But I don't really see any of the Western movie influences at all. Like, sure, you got the shootouts, but no other enemies have guns until the very end. And when it's the very end, that's more akin to uh, the Bourne Identity films and how it's the cinematography is done. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm just going to start now and, and address that a little bit. I'm going to start with the goods real quick, and then I'll address your question in the bats. Mm-hmm. So the goods is, it's Alba, really good choice for Roland. Really, Maybe not the best performance of Roland, but uh-huh. still a very good decision for Roland. And the same with Matthew McConaughey as Walter, the man in black. Good cast choices that I don't think really did the best that they could. I'm not saying they were bad. I'm just saying there, there was uh, a potential that wasn't reached there. That was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, that's the goods. It's, it's good <laughs> choices uh, a lot of the references are there. If you like Easter eggs, there's a lot. There's a lot in there. There's a lot. Like Number the 19, Red Daddy? Yeah, like Big Red Daddy and the Crimson Eye and all that good shit. Uh, I do feel like... Good old Daddy Velvet. I, I do feel like Ron Howard, the director, did care. But he was fucking neutered by a PG-13 rating and trying to do way too much at once. This. Oh, actually... Uh... Sam, mm-hmm. uh, you said Ron Howard, Does right? Is that wrong? Uh, well, you're half right. Ron Howard at one point was working on the movie, but the director changed. And actually, Sam, uh, that, that was something else I read up. Ron Howard is only one of like several people that was supposed to work on the movie because this was in like development hell for like mm-hmm. a decade. It was supposed to actually start in uh, 2007, but it just kept on being tossed between studios because the rights kept on like expiring. Uh, I, I mean, it, it went from like Universal Pictures, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Lionsgate, and I think it's pretty telling to the quality of the movie we got because the final studio that got a hold of it and actually produced it was um, Sony Pictures. Yeah, so there's a yeah. lot going against this movie from basically the birth. Mm-hmm. It's it like I said, the biggest biggest problem is it tries to do way too much at once. And when honestly, Stephen King said said himself said it would have been better as a show because there's so much to the yeah. Dark Towers that you can't just make one movie and put like three or four books in. You just can't because each book feels like multiple books in one when I read them. And you could, they could have made uh, a movie on just the first book, which is just set in Midworld in the desert where it actually feels like a fucking Western instead of that going, you know, going to modern day New York, which is another mistake because in the novels, it's New York in the 80s. And I think it would have been better if they went with this angle to just put it in 80s New York. Because that, that's, that's the more Stephen King feeling, is, you know, 80s, you know, America. Yeah. And just, yeah, I mean, you guys are right. Matthew kind of just phones it in as the villain. And I mean, for fuck's sakes, in the book, they don't even fight. No? I should, you're not. Roland gets to him at the end of the first book. I'm not going to spoil anything. You fuckers should read the book. All of you. Everyone mm-hmm. listening. Read the fucking book. It's awesome. Um, read all the books. But in the book, they, right. they don't fight. They, he gets to Walter, and they have a polyvere, which is a little, you know, their word for talk. They talk to each other. That's what fucking happens. 
and it's a huge fucking waste because Walter has an excellent speech in the end of the book just de detailing how grand the scope is of everything and instead they waste on a fucking CGI fight scene and it's just yeah it hurts <laughs> me it hurts my soul it's just very underwhelming no, wait, wait. CGI fight scene like god damn Sam for what you're saying too in the book Mm -hmm. He has an actual goal besides, I'm going to make the tower fall, and yeah. Yeah, it's, that's not even, it, 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 it references the Crimson King more in the book, for sure. He's actually more of a, a threat, and Walter makes note of this. But Walter's not the main villain. He, he never really has that much control, unless there's something that happens in the later books, which comes back or some shit. But, no, he, uh -huh. he never reaches that. So they just kind of threw in, basically, his motivation as well as another villains i don't want to spoil but they, they kind of combine two things at once and it just doesn't work mm -hmm. well i mean it, it kind of gets into that whole thing of um you know what works as a movie because you know the main protagonist gets to the main villain and i can just tell there was someone that said oh well i mean he caught up to the main bad guy and stuff's going down there should at least be a fight but first off, at least make the fight good. Second of all, there's like a little bit of wiggle room where if you really wanted to, it could be a fight where they're intermittently talking to one another. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's, that's you know, and I mean, we, we've seen so many, like, scenes like that in much better movies do that, where they're revealing something to one another while they're fighting. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just, they try to do too many things at once, and it kind of equaled into a sloppy mess. There's some good in it. I actually kind of like the comic a little bit. Granted, it's not that extreme in the books. Roland's good. Roland's very good in the books, but he ain't, like, bouncing bullets. Uh, he ain't no ocelot. No. But I, I, you know, I'm a sucker for, you know, six shooters and shit, so I, I liked it. Because I'm, I'm a silly boy, and I, I, I'm i a simple man. I saw that, I'm like, ooh, cowboy. I'm a simple man. I see some rootin', tootin', cowboy shooting. I smile. Mm, be rootin', be tootin', and by God be shooting but of course no i mean I, I can't recommend the adaptation i can't i really can't it's just don't don't watch i i can't even recommend this as like just a movie to put on if you have nothing else to watch it's just so boring no way and i have a recommendation if you have trouble falling asleep such as myself this can help you very true very true it, it, hey if you have insomnia there you go there's your cure. Watch The Dark Tower. <laughs> uh, I'd say either watch The Dark Tower or Attack of the Clones. They actually feel almost identical in quality to me. I don't know. So it's what just, you're saying... The only thing that happens in either films is that there's like some action scenes, but they're just so underwhelming that they never elevate the movie. So what you're telling me, Ian, is I can splice together both those movies, show it to you, and you just would like glass eyes watch through it and be like was i just watching star wars yes yeah. i mean I, okay i know it's a little bit much but i'm gonna read to you guys a little section of, of the final speech that walter has all right <clears throat> oh okay gotcha. this is Let's walter addressing roland about just the just, just the sheer scope of shit think how small such a concept of things make us gunslinger if a god watches over it all does he actually mete out justice for a race of gnats amongst an infinite magnitude of races of gnats? 
Does this eye see the narrow fall when the sparrow is less than a speck of hydrogen floating disconnected in the depth of space? And if he does see, what must the nature of this god be? Where does he live? How is it possible to live beyond infinity? Imagine the sand of the Wohane Desert, which you cross to find me, and imagine trillion universes, not worlds, but universes, encapsulated in each grain of that desert, and with each universe an infinity of others. We tower over these universes from our pitiful grass vantage point. With one swing of your boot, you may knock a billion, billion worlds flying into the darkness in a chain never to be completed. Size, gunslinger, size. Yet, suppose further, suppose that all worlds, all universes, met in a single nexus, a single pylon, a tower, and within it, a stairway, perhaps, perhaps rising to the godhead itself. Would you dare climb to the top, gunslinger? Could it be that somewhere above all the endless reality, there exists a room? You dare not. And in the gunslinger's mind, those words echoed, you dare not. God. Or we can have a Hollywood fighting action scene. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or we can have him saying that speech while still having the Hollywood action fight. Yeah, so... As he, like, launches rocks at him. <laughs> one mm -hmm. more complaint I, I, I want to throw out before, you know... All right. We wrap up is, I think, mm -hmm. something they really did f fuck up. Not to say fuck up, but they didn't really... Uh, another thing they didn't really have the potential to is the relationship between Roland and Jake. Jake is not as good as he is in the books. I don't think he's as strong as a character... As in the book, and the big reason for that is where he meets Roland in the book is in Midworld, which is a similar, you know, mm -hmm. similar enough situation. But that's when we first see him. We don't really see his life or anything like that. But the connection between Roland and Jake in the book is more of a father-son relationship that's a lot more fleshed mm -hmm. out. And I just don't think that the movie really captured this enough they were more hostile towards each other in the book and the uh, in the movie uh, yeah. and didn't really feel like they really grew as a team but in it yeah but in the book jake's ends up saving roland's life right from the get-go and they just kind of form this very tight loving father-son relationship that i don't want to spoil it but something happens in the end of the first book and it's very powerful much more powerful because of that but all in all don't watch this piece of shit. I don't. I feel bad saying that because you know everyone really, really did work hard, hard on it. But look, read the books. Don't watch the movie. I mean, the the thing is, is that there's been so many cases of people working really hard on a movie only for it to come out, and it turns out that it's just awful. I mean, technically speaking, like Hayden Christensen and uh, Ewan McGregor worked really hard on the lightsaber scenes in the prequels. And those are some of the least good things to me because of how goofy they look. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, people work hard on it, but they also need to understand that, like, art is subject to all kinds of criticism, you know? Mm -hmm. And and that's the, the, I guess, the reality, the, the cruelty sometimes of working on stuff. <laughs> you know, it could somehow be lambasted if, you know... You put out something that maybe you didn't entirely think through in terms of uh, writing or executing in a certain way, which is a shame. But at the same time, I I'm not going to lie, when I later on looked up that this was a Sony Pictures uh, movie, I was like, oh, okay, now that, that comes full circle. I mean, case in point, Sam, I completely forgot that the kid's name was Jake until you just said it like a couple seconds ago. Yeah. I don't get Sony pictures. They keep doing this. Yeah, they would. Sony just 
should not stick to movies anymore. This should just fuck off. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Stop making Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man. I just wish, kindly, that this movie and Morbius has taught them a lesson, but I know that it hasn't, because they legitimately brought it back to theaters. Yes. Oh, God. I'm just, okay. They got confused that, uh, because there were so many memes that people actually liked the movie, and they re-released it, and it flopped again. Look. If I had to give this movie a quick review, in just one sentence, it has forgotten the face of its father. That's all I can say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all I can this say. This movie has forgotten the face of its it, father. Uh, it it mm-hmm. very much has. I I can't recommend this. Yeah. And uh, I feel bad for anyone who is a huge fan of the Dark Tower series because... I don't know. It might be a while before they try again. But then again, I I don't know. If we can somehow get, like, three different Spider-Men within, like, such a short time, I think something like HBO or something like that can make a Dark Tower series. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to kind of do it justice, what you probably need... Cause to ask a question to you, Sam, is Dark Tower more still like Stephen King's horror, or does it just stick to like being a western? It's it's a mix. It's, it has it's a, a lot mix. of horror elements, but it's through and through. I think he said his main influences with the book were um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, and uh, I think Lord of the Rings. But of course, he he puts his signature. Like suspense and horror stuff mixed throughout. There's a lot of like weird you, mutants and mm-hmm. creatures and. I th- I think if you were to do Dark Tower any justice, then having never read it myself and only going off of this and your descriptions, mm-hmm. if you bring it to like HBO or something like that, get someone who's done a lot of westerns to help produce it. Get the dudes at like Crypt TV to do the monster stuff, and you're mm-hmm. golden. There you go. Yeah, just a a little spoiler to be. Express how vicious it gets when the way Jake, again, spoiler, gets to mid realm is not through some fucking sci fi portal, but he, the the man in black, forces him to walk in front of a car and he gets horrifically ran over, literally split and maybe not split in half. It, it goes in the description how his intestines basically fly out of his mouth, shit like that. Oh, and he, he gets hypnotized by Roland into remembering the incident. And the one thing he does, Jake says is like, hey, can we stop this hypnotism thing? I don't, the last thing I remember is my tasting my own shit as it's rushed back through my mouth. So Oof. It, it gets brutal. It doesn't hold punches and it only gets more brutal as you go throughout the book. So anyway. Yeah, I, I can somewhat understand why the movie maybe didn't uh, have that particular detail in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows, Sam? Maybe HBO will make a uh, Dark oh, Tower series yeah. after they adapt. Oh my uh, god, dude! After Berserk. watching the, the Boys, fuck. Is that HBO? Yeah, or is maybe that HBO. Maybe they'll remember the face. Oh, of that their be father. Amazon. Okay, maybe Amazon because Amazon's the Boys. I think captures a the grittiness of things pretty well. Well, I do have to ask Sam uh, on the topic of adaptations. How do you feel about there potentially being a HBO Berserk series? Uh, I mean. Fuck. Like animated? Uh, no, live action. Live action? Okay, look. We're gonna have to stop the fucking podcast here. We, <laughs> we, we don't have the time 
to go over that as much as I want to. No. <laughs> like, I could... We could okay. Mm-mm. For the sake of everyone's sanity, I'm just going to shut up here. For the sake of everyone's sanity, how about you just answer this? Uh, do you think it's a good idea? No, probably not. Probably not a good idea, but... No, no, it's not. Fuck that. No, it's an awful idea. Don't do it. Don't do okay. it. I say yes. <laughs> I require chaos. <laughs> I want another Halo, but with Berserk. Yes. No, I'd, yeah! rather, I'd rather bury my own yeah! fucking eyes out. You've forgotten the drip of your father. <laughs> <laughs> well, please let, let me have John Berserk. I know. Fuck no. God, no. Well, now hold on. That's they'll, Paramount they'll make, they'll make Plus Donovan his that love did interest. Halo. And? No. And, okay. if I can at least say one All right, thing... That, that, that's I'm leaving the fucking podcast. Out. Okay, that's it by now. Okay. moment. Goodbye, fuckers. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Adios. All right. Well, people, let's let's go on ahead and wrap up. Let's go ahead and wrap up in that case. Um, when we do return to the podcast, I have my recommendations set. In order to uh, counteract the lack of quality, we, of course, need to reject trash return to quality and in that i have chosen uh the usual suspects to be our next feature presentation oh all right yeah it's another one that uh obviously i've heard a lot of people discuss regarded as a pretty good movie just never saw it no shit no, I've I have not seen, seen it. There, there's actually quite a few like uh, movies considered classics that I still need to get around to. I've seen the big ones, but Usual Suspects is like in that weird middle ground where it's well regarded and well known, but like I don't know, it's no Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind or anything like that or Godfather. Maybe it is to some people. I don't know. At least from what I've gathered, it's not quite that. But anywho, that is of course for next time. And until then. Take care, everybody, and tune in. Bye-bye. May you all have long days and pleasant nights.